Hello, everybody. Welcome to a collaborative lifetime and the Brian Covey Show coming together. <laughs> you got the robotic arm, Iron Man looking good. Ah. Um, before we kick it off, everybody, so Brian and I collaborate a lot. And obviously, Brian, I learn a ton from you and have always enjoyed our time collaborating. And you know, you sent that note saying, hey, let's get back and have another conversation about leadership, about what we learned in 2020. And so, man, I'm just excited to kick it off with you today, dude. Dude, me too. And we do talk a lot, which I think is the essence of how you learn and grow is we're in complete opposite ends, right? West Coast, East Coast. Yep. And whether it's internal within your own company or you're talking to people outside your organization, that's how you learn. That's how you grow. And so I always love picking your brain too, because there is a lot I don't know. And so the only way to find out is hang out with cool people doing what you want to do. I feel like there's a lot we all don't know and are learning. So, hey, check it out. I got a cool intro for us. You ready? We got our own intro. You ready oh, for this? Nice. Oh, I'm ready. Roll it. All right, let's go, Brian. So I get to go first question one. I get question one because I got the intro and I got the cool stuff going on. First of all, I see a bunch of people popping in. Um, feel free to hang out, collaborate, and share thoughts. That'll be a fun conversation today. So, Brian, leading and succeeding in 2021. After coming through 2020, I want to ask you your opinion. What to you stood out as an epiphany or this kind of aha moment leading in 2020 that you believe is a key indicator for success in 2021? That's a good, so a few things, but the one I'll tackle first is I think 2020 forced us into some behaviors and to do some things that got us uncomfortable, right? So yeah. think about working from home, you had to embrace technology. You're working with people remotely jumping on camera, probably a lot more than you used to. Or you ever. Your customers in person anymore. And so all these things I think pushed us into, for some people, a zone of uncomfortability, which I believe adapt, you, you've heard me talk about this. Adaptation is probably one of the number one skills. Can you adapt to the market and how quickly you adapt probably determines your success rate. So I would say, I mean, Alec, that's it. We could go into like tactical things with it. But the fact that we were pushed into areas we were uncomfortable, yeah. we had to learn new skills that many of us probably knew we needed, but we just weren't taking advantage or learning them and implementing them. You know, COVID taught us a lot and it was so painful. Many of it was painful, but that's really how growth is, right? I mean, it doesn't come through comfort. And so um, I'm actually, and a lot of people that, you know, we've collaborated with before, and I think you agree with me on this, you know, the silver lining of COVID was that forced experience, mm -hmm. pushing us out of the comfort zone, you know, by just saying, nope, I'm taking this away. And now you got to figure out what to do with it. Yeah. And I feel like that really set up a lot of loan officers and a lot of executives and senior leaders into, to your point, that adaptability mindset. And I think that in 2021, we're going to see those people um, catapult forward from what they already put in the work in 2020. Yeah. And I saw you doing that quite a bit and you leaned into video. You'd already done video, but I'm curious from you. It's like you seem to lean in even more because you had laid this foundation, which I saw in some folks, but I saw you continue just to lean in and almost like, okay, I've done it a little. Now I'm going all in and you were doing video quite a bit. You were educating quite a bit and you had to now move even new higher orientation. Yeah. You were having to do that virtual. And, you know, that's something your whole world looked like it changed from a leader as big as your team is. You're now leading them and you can't go see them for months. That changed. You know, that actually hurt. And I know it hurt our originators. You know, I feel a lot of parallels to our, our people on the street 
because being forced out of our normal process on how we engage our customers and how we engage our referral partners um, for a lot of people is was was massively destructive from a mindset perspective at the minimum. And so I felt one of the ways that I could be the most helpful was to go into the new space with everybody else. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people that have done that and have made um, huge strides and challenged themselves. But I really feel like, you know, one of the things great leaders do and that the leaders at least I respect and look up to are the ones that let make it feel like taking risk is okay. Yeah. yeah making it feel like if I mess up, it's okay. Or, hey, this person's doing it, so maybe I could do it too. And that kind of stuff um, inspires me. And that was really when, you know, I was watching guys like Josh Pitts and some of these like, you know, um, people that I consider, you know, pioneers from from what from my seat who are really leaning into this space and i went you know what this is an opportunity it's a threat it's scary um but it's an opportunity and then when you look back you know my first effort into this was 100 videos in 100 days and i'll never do that again because i've learned that that's not what i want to do um but my point is like when you look back at the, the path um it, it feels like you've been doing it forever first of all which really ha none of us have been yeah. Second, I mean, you just learned so much about what you want it to be and how it evolves. And I mean, even the Brian Covey show and you breaking into another season, another path, you know, talking to mega influencers and expanding your reach. Um, you know, it's been super impressive to watch and fun to watch. I mean, you've done the same thing. Well, here's what I think we both realized is we were already starting to dabble in it. And I talk about this as like, many of us are learning on our, our job, right? Like we're reinventing what it is to be a modern originator a modern leader and what our customers are expecting of us, what our loan officers expect of us. And so we're, we're learning on the job. And it was funny. I had a conversation today with one of our, our top um, leaders on our team. Yeah. He said, Man, do you ever feel like you're just kind of learning on the job? Like every day you show up, it's a little different. Some things, you know, but you're just yes. trying things. And he's like, thank you for giving me the space to try things. And I think that's what great leaders. I try to be that leader is I'm going to give you enough room to go figure it out. It's okay to mess up. It's a safe space you got to try things, right? Like that's what we would look back and regret more than the actual mistakes or failures along the way is that we yep. didn't try, right? Like that's it. You know, I translate it back to how did we learn to get mortgages? Like as a loan officer, like how did we learn? And we learned by looking at people and being like, what are they doing? And then realizing that I can do that too. And then going out and following in their footsteps, so to speak, and learning by trial and error, how to make it our own. So it's to me, it's like, it's the same parallel. It's, you know, so I watch people on video and I watch people on social and I was like, yes, I see the future the way you see it. Yeah. We need to understand these new verticals. We need to understand where humans are and making connection. We need to be part of that human connection. And so dive in and go deep. Don't you think I looked, I looked back last year and I was watching, like we got to spend more time with our families for guys like us that travel a lot. I do think there was a realization that for many of us that have thrown ourselves into business and we all know who we we are and who those people are, but they would just work exorbitant amount of hours and just go into business. And last year you could do that in the mortgage space. Yeah. You worked seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and probably not gotten through every customer that you could actually help. Yep. yep. But man, finding a balance and a rhythm of what does my personal life look like? Mental health became something a lot of people were talking about. Your physical health became important because look, COVID made us all realize you're, you're not superhuman if you get it and, and things don't go according, like it, it can be serious for you. And I think we realize like your family and your home, and we've used that, you know, home is everything. Yeah. I think people start to realize, man, like you, there's not enough money in the world 
to trade off some happiness and enjoying the life that you have. And that's like, I see you with your kids, you know, and I'm always like, that's a good reminder as to let's not take ourselves too serious and let's make sure we spend time with the family. So how do you balance that? Cause you got a massive team and you're, you're taking care of a lot of people, a lot of responsibilities all over the place. How does, how does Alex stay grounded and keep those things priorities? Well, I, and you need to answer this question too, cause it's, it's helpful to get multiple perspectives. So for everybody that's hanging out, I have a seven and a 10, uh, almost a 10 year old. He's going to be 10 in like a month and a half. So it's like, wow, double digits. And, you know, it's we're on, you know, right now as COVID is winding down, we're back into sports are opening back up because before COVID, man, it was like Friday Night Lights and Saturday soccer. And it was like just bang, bang, bang. You couldn't breathe. That was my third place because that's where we just hung out all the time. Then we took this hiatus and I think it was healthy for the kids in sports, but that's another topic. And I think that you just have to enjoy things. Being present is the best way for me to answer that for me personally. It's when you're there, you got to be really there. And I struggle with this. I struggle with this because when my team needs me, I feel this massive moral responsibility to respond, engage, um, jump into email, jump into problems. Because I, especially during COVID, I never wanted my team to feel like they didn't have someone who had their back. Yeah. Because we can feel that way. Like, you're, there's no office. Like, who do I call? Like, they didn't answer the call. You know, in an office, at least you could see someone. You could be like, I need help. And they could be like, I'm on a call, but I'll, you know, yeah. You know, you had that kind of thing. In COVID, you don't know. They didn't answer their email. They didn't answer their phone. You don't know if they died. You know if they're ever going to get back to you, and so I never wanted my team to feel like if they reached out, they would net they, they would not they would get a brick wall. Yeah, but at the same time, I was trying to balance that with like, no, I'm at dinner. No, I'm at, I'm with my kids on the weekend. No, it's it's nighttime. We're watching a movie, Star Wars, or whatever it is, and that was hard. Um, I think a lot of us had to balance through that. I mean, I remember the first week of or second week of COVID when we all went home. Like we went home for. I worked in the back. I sat down for like twelve hours. I just, I just were, I just was like, and I looked up and I'm like, oh, what time is it? <laughs> it's like eight o'clock at night. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe, I don't know what just happened with my day. And then, you know, you had to figure out balance. And, and for me, it's being present, but that's a constant reminder. You know, just like you said earlier, man, I'm still trying to figure it out. So give me some of your master advice on this because I need it. So what, what I was thinking is you were talking through that. Uh, Dr. Kevin Elko has been a good mentor and kind of coach for me. He works with like those of you who don't know, like Nick Saban and some of the NFL coaches, you would know them all. Um, got a chance to hear him speak. He shared something that there's always those people that share something that stuck with me. Mm. And his phrase was, be where your feet are. Yeah. And that stuck with when I feel myself getting like, it, it still happens. Look, I mean, yep. real, like, it still happens. I get distracted. The phone rings and it's like, I squirrel and I look this way, that way. I want to get back to the team fast. Um, and we're all trying to do a lot of things at once. But there are those moments where you're like, I, that phrase will pop in my head and it's almost like a programming. Brian, mm. be where your feet are, set your phone down, turn it over for a minute. And there's obviously areas I need to do this better. But that was a phrase that stuck with me. And I started to integrate some things. And this was something that I think anybody could apply today is like tonight going in, my son's got track, my daughter's got soccer. Well, if you go to soccer and let's just say today I'd missed my workout, right? Well, I could walk while she's doing soccer for an hour and a half. I could walk, yep. I could do air squats, I could do can't do yep. push-ups right now, but you know, if I was healthy, I'd do push-ups. You can do something. So how do you integrate time? Because I was trying to figure out, I only have the same amount of time that you have that the other person has down the road. How do you exponentially grow your time? This was a concept, another mentor that I reached out to last year, which will be another takeaway for everyone during COVID. And I think right now there's a small window left before some of these great people and influencers start traveling again is reach out to people you've been afraid to reach out to that you admire uh -huh. and you respect. 
I will tell you, I mean, Alec, I left last year with two people that I have like a, a nice kinship and friendship. And yep. one of the things they taught me was that integration principle of, well, if you're going to be there at your kid's soccer practice is the great example. Why aren't you walking? You can return phone calls. You can listen to a podcast. You can follow up on, you can be doing things during that moment in time when you need to be where your feet are during the day, like now, like present in a conversation. And I just started to get very intentional. And the other tactical thing I did was on Sunday nights, I started to really map out my week and say, mm -hmm. this is what needs to accomplish in my week, right? So I'm trying to attract new talent to the team. I'm taking care of our talent and our team that's here, trying to make sure that loans are getting closed, trying to make sure that I'm learning and growing with our team. There's training, all these things are happening. I learned if I don't schedule them and they're not on my calendar, they might happen. They might not. I needed to program those back in. So I got very intentional Sunday night, program those in. And I will tell you, like Alec, for me, I'm looking back at my calendar and it's a nice look back because you realize how much you actually accomplished when it's on your calendar. You know, I like the Sunday forward thinking part, Brian, and I want to echo it for people because um, set, operating off of an objective list and having that set up in the morning, I mean, just, just to tackle a Monday, Monday can be gone in a blink of an eye. Yeah, You can come in on a Monday and be absolutely buried, slammed, put you all the things you put off on Friday. And then you come in Monday and without a clear direction of the things to accomplish, you just kind of float. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, so one of my, one of my funniest and, and interesting, uh, or, or I think the most ironic um, coaching tips for anybody out there that really wants to help somebody maximize their day is um, tell your loan officer that you're just going to um, follow them around for a day, for 24, for, for the whole day. You're just going to be with them. So, you know, as soon as they get in the office at eight o'clock or whatever you guys decide until they leave the office, you're just going to hang with them in their office. And the irony of that is that no one wants that at all. I don't want that. No, no, thank you. Because we realized, like you meant that comment about time, you know, that we have all the time. We have, we have all the time that exists in the world is ours. And the reality is we can't show up for 24 hours of it at the peak of our performance. That's not realistic. Um, but we also recognize that there's likely a lot of dead time in our day where we don't maximize our time. Yeah. And that doesn't make anybody good or bad. It's just more of an awareness thing. Like to your point, a soccer game or a practice where you're, maybe you're not eyes on the kid the whole time, you know, showing them that you're there for them. And you can go do some air squats, walk around, return some calls. You know, you have all the time there is. And I think that for a lot of people, they need to give themselves grace. And, and they need to realize that if they had, you know, Brian Covey sitting behind them all day being like, well, what are you doing next? They'd realize they're going to have a lot of time in their day to do more work. Not that they should, but that they, they, they do. Yeah. And that would be a scary thought, me following you around. But I like that visual because what if, what if a coach or a mentor or someone that, that you admire was spending the day with you and they said, hey, we just want to do an audit on your time today. What yep. would a typical day look like for you? And if we're honest with ourselves, there's holes in my day still that I go, and you mentioned this, and this is something I've learned is I've realized I have to program in some breaks to operate at peak performance. So I yep. want to be engaged in a conversation, be able to listen, be able to be thoughtful in what my responses and engagement and collaboration contributions are. Well, I've realized I can't go for like four hours straight. I just, I don't have that endurance in conversation to be fully present. So I program just little breaks, right? Yep. And that's, I think for many of us, if you just program that in, it could be 15 to 30 minutes, but then you're on. And I found when I'm efficient and I'm operating at a high level, that's when I'm productive. And as, if you're a loan officer listening to this, that's for you having conversations, giving updates to your real estate agents, right? Whether it's the listing agent or the buying agent, your customers that you need to give updates to.
do we really need to spend all of that time or could we be more efficient in what our process and our delivery was so that we were actually able to reach more people and make them all feel good about what we're doing and the service we're providing? Always so again, Let me ask you this, Brian, um, as we kind of talk about this lead and succeed topic in 2021, you mentioned adaptability. And I want to, first of all, echo that. I, I think that the number one indicator of somebody's ability to have success in mortgage is their ability to adapt. Yeah. My favorite book is Who Moved My Cheese? Because it's so simple and stupid. But, be, but when you think about it, all day long, the mortgage industry is moving you. Rates move up and down as a great example. Products come in and out. COVID comes in and out. New 1003s come. I mean, this industry is roller coastering. You got to have adaptability as a superpower if you want to be successful here. So my question for you is, after you've watched 2020 come through and 2021 start to go, because we're moving now, there's no, you can't get a house no matter how hard you try. What things do you think loan officers and local management need to be focused on and adapting into in order to make 2021 the, the, the year they want it to be? What are the key play areas of adaptability that you see they need to move into? So I'm going to give the 30,000 foot view and then we'll get real tactical about a couple areas I think are there. One, we've been talking about, you and I've been talking about this for a couple of years. I've had some memories pop up to remind me, you know, on Facebook and all that. Being the local digital mayor in your community to where you're building a funnel at all times, showing up on social allows you to reach thousands, if not tens of thousands of people a day, every day versus making singular sales calls. You can do both strategies. It's not a... Oh. It's not a both, it's not a, a either or. Do no, both. no. Do and, and, and thank you for recognizing that because some people get confused. Both have massive, massive opportunity. And, and going all digital and, and forsaking the one-to-one -one thing is a mistake because we still create human connection. So, so keep going, but I want thank you for saying that. You're totally right. So I think, go, let's go down that path a little further. And you've got the digital piece where you can show up and we talk about doing videos, actually putting content out online, showing up on Instagram. I love LinkedIn. Facebook is an area that we need to show up. We can see YouTube's growing, TikTok's growing. Maybe you have a Twitter audience, right? So there are platforms you can choose. So I think showing up, because what we need to be creating right now in a low inventory market, we all know what's happening there. We all know rates have gone up a little bit, but they're still historically low. And so we need more customers to work with because the reality is not every customer is going to find that home and be able to write a contract and close. Nope. To create a market. Well, the only way to create a market is if, if I have... 100,000 people in my database and you have 1,000 people in your database, the chances are I'm going to convert and probably grow my production. Just statistically, that's what's going to be there. And so what I've said, we've been talking about this for a couple of years, is we have to consistently show up because customers now, we know they're going online. It's proven because Quicken, Rocket, and most of our markets is the number it's not one. Even, it's not even debatable anymore. Debatable. Right? Like we talked about this. It's not even a conversation. And you look at even Loan Depot in that same regard. Mm -hmm. I look at some of our markets and I go, wow, look at the growth in market share. Call it what it is, guys. That is not all boots on the ground. I'd love to say that's our retail team crushing it. Yes, they're doing great. But also that just echoes customers go online. So we need to make sure we build a funnel. The other thing I would tell you, there's an opportunity today that we can serve customers. And I just finished this and I would encourage people, I'll put a little plug in for the Certified Mortgage Advisor. How are you going to stand out in your market? So let's say you're doing digital. Let's say you're calling real estate agents and builders and financial planners and all those things we know we need to do. What makes you different? If you can't have that nailed down with clarity, why should you work with me versus someone else in the marketplace? You need to think about what that is and the expertise that you provide today. If we've learned anything, I mean, this is one thing, Alec, that I've taken away is I didn't understand the markets well enough last year. And I'm a nerd in finance. I love to keep up. 
I needed to up my level there and, and take what Barry Habib shared, right? So I needed to have some of that so that I can give that and distribute that out into the marketplace because the markets are going to move this year. And if we're watching anything, what we know this year is with a little bit of inflation pressure going up, you know, rates have gone up, call it 30 to 50 basis points. Yep. yep. Let's say that continues. How are you going to know when the market turns and how can you actually advise customers if you're not into that? So you can't just be great at sales. You can't just be great at relationships. I think there's this part of the market that's emerging that we need to get a little bit more experience. And again, just knowledge is there. So a couple specific areas. I love home builder. I grew up doing builder loans, condo projects, and all of that. You look at new home starts are up 20% or so, depending on your market. Yep. That's going to be a market in low inventory that builders are going to take advantage of this. They're going to continue to build homes. You need relationships. I believe if it's 20% of your market, which on average, that's about it. You can't ignore 20% of your market that are new homes, right? So think about that. Can I, can I add a comment to, the, to new homes? Because the number one excuse I get from people when you say new homes is they start to realize because they bumped into them before that there's massive competition there. Yeah. Because the new home providers have in-house mortgage companies, joint ventures, preferred partners, lots of things. Because if you've ever worked builder before, you have to recognize the builder cares about certainty yeah. over all else. They want certainty and they want... Um, um, uh, accountability with yeah. their partner. Like they want to be able to grab you and be like, so they want certainty and accountability. And so they, they tend to go out and, and form partnerships, whether it's their own. And so, uh, you know, you hear Brian say, go after new, new homes. And I would say, don't, don't forsake this. Don't misunderstand it. Here's the deal. Humans are humans. You go into a new home community and guess who are there? The sales agents, Yep. freaking human beings. And guess what they're trying to do? Sell homes for their builder. Right. And yes, there might be a mortgage person sitting right there or there might not because they might be somewhere else or a call center or they might not even have a mortgage company. But let's just assume they do. What could possibly hurt your business by building relationships with those people? Because you will get a customer and they will go into a new construction home and they will put an offer in there. And if you've met the agents, if you've built relationships with them, if, they, if you've connected to them on social media and they've seen your content, you have a higher likelihood of success of saving that transaction or being stripped out and pulled to their in-house if you have relationships with people. That's not going to be 100% of the time. But I'll tell you this other thing right now, I guarantee you if it's a big venture with like DR Horton or Lennar, they can't do all the loans you can do. So you being buddies with their mortgage person creates another opportunity. So I, I, you're so right, Brian. Like this is a ripe environment. New construction is going to be gangbuster this year. And I, I could see people hearing your comment and being like, well, I'm, you know, it's not for me. I, I, I'm out. And I want to, I want to echo his saying like, no, you are not out. Yeah. Get in, get in there. I love Here, that. Here's, here's, the, here's the actual tactical example. I won't name the home builder, but their in-house lender was doing 50% of their business. So that means 50% was going to outside lenders. And we walked in there and built relationships. And first we were getting 10% of the turndowns or things they couldn't do in their tiny credit box. And then we were doing 20 and 30. And then all of a sudden they were like, look, everything we can't do needs to go to this person at Lone Depot. And we were like 35% of their outside. So it was like 30, 50 them, 35 us. We sat behind them at the meetings. We're like, yeah, we're just here to do loans. Like, do not think this is like a like something you can't accomplish. So what's your next one after new, new construction? Oh, dude, I love it. We could, we could go on. That's a whole other segment. The next one that I have seen is, I believe, people that are not able to find a home, what is their next option? I know that one. renovate their home, right? So 
if I'm working from home more or I realize, you know what, I've looked and I'm six months or a year and I've been trying to find a new home, my realtor and I, we just can't find anything yet. We're just, we're just going to hold tight. Rates are low, but I do want that new kitchen. My bathroom, yeah, it needs something. Maybe I can add on a room, add a pool, what, whatever it is. There's lots add of- Add an in-home office. Home office. Oh, hell yeah. This is a market that if you haven't spent time in this, I would encourage you because this is why I believe- renovation is not a single transaction. And so I would, I would ask you to think larger than that. Renovation is you're now connecting up with contractors. You're connecting up maybe with interior designers. You're connecting up with subcontractors and other people that guess what they might need? Mortgage advice. So I would just implore you, think bigger than a transaction. And what we've been coaching our team to, Alec, and I know you do the same, is we're helping people that can't find a home. So we're solving a problem in the market. And then we're also trying to add even more value of everyone that we come in touch with during that renovation process Yep, might need our assistance to refinance, buy a second home, buy an investment property, renovate their home. We've got to think bigger. And I go back, that's the digital mayor. The digital mayor yep. shows up locally in the community and says, hey, how can I serve you? Oh, you mentioned that was a problem. Let me see if I can help you with that. And maybe you're just running a refi comparison for them. Maybe you're just modeling out Hey, $100,000 in renovations in your home. You want to do these projects. Here's what that payment would look like. Here's what your equity and after improved value would look like. Yep. We are now starting to be true advisors. So that's number two market. You can actually create it. And if you're not an expert in renovation, guess what? Nobody was when they started in the business. No. And to learn it. That's a weak excuse. I don't know renovation. Go learn it. Be better. Like be better. Separate yourself. And I want to share this too, because your comment just triggered me. You know, you talk about how renovation isn't with one loan because now you're inter interacting with a contractor and all these other groups of people. You know, all of a sudden we do this experiment, new hire orientation, where we ask our new employees that just joined if to stand up if they've served in the military and, and a, a bunch stand up. And then we ask, um, raise your hand if you had a, a grandparent, parent or child that has served in the military. And it's 90% of the room is just like either standing or arms up. Yeah. And so at the same time, you're talking about renovation, you know, don't forget this unlimited VA renovation loan for veterans, 100% financing full teardown renovation loan is insane. So as you're making connections and you realize a lot of these people are veterans or their parents are, or their kids are, you know, you're right. Renovation is going to be a huge thing in, in major markets because yeah. there's no inventory. There's no inventory. In fact, I'll, I'll, here is one of my pro hacks of all time for anybody that wants to be serious about this. Um, we did it in 2018 when inventory was going down. We built a renovation open house design studio. We went to Home Depot and you bought sample tiles, sample carpets, sample paint. We took a bunch of flyers and we would go set up little kiosks, one in the kitchen, one in the master bedroom or bath, and one in another room. And it had different cabinet options. And people would walk through and go, why do you have these here? And they go, well, because this is a reno option. If you're gonna buy this home, you don't like the cabinets, here's other cabinets you can do. And all of a sudden customers are like, oh my gosh, reno. And the ones that couldn't get the house because of inventory or it swept up went home and called the loan officer back and said, Hey, maybe rent on my house. Like, what is I, I saw this in the open house. It's a great trick, but when there's no inventory, man, you're right. Reno is going to be a key. We've got to, We've got to lean into these areas. And I think this is where it's going to separate your mindset of this abundance mentality of there's enough out there. I just need to figure out and show up and it will be there. There's the scarcity. And I continue to hear low inventory, low inventory. Hey, guess what, guys? It's not the first time it's been low inventory. And I understand that rates have gone up a little bit, but do you think it still makes sense for people? Are there still homes being sold in your market? Yeah. Are there still people out looking for a home? And that's where I think we're not building as, as I hear, 
we need to build our funnel for customers and stay in touch with them just because they can't buy today, didn't find a home, don't qualify, whatever. We've always in our industry, the best have always built a CRM around those customers to serve them. So anyway, that's, that's point two. Last one, I'll tell you, this has been a phenomenon that was created last year is, I mean, how many people do you know, Alec, that have moved out of state to where yeah. we've moved across the country? Oh yeah, tons. This is happening. So I would advise, this is a strategy that I actually stumbled into. I wish I could tell you I thought of it and it was some idea. I had worked with HR departments and relocation departments and all that when I was originating. And it hit me last year. So many people started to move and they knew me from Facebook or LinkedIn and they started to ask me questions. This yep. is again why I'm going to wrap this all up. Why you have to be showing up on social media is your audience. Yes, it's your local community. You need to be the local digital mayor, but you also need to think bigger than that. In most companies where you work, you can refer a loan if you're not licensed somewhere else, or maybe you're licensed in all 50 states, whatever it is, right? You can still serve customers and you can help them. And those real estate agents that you make friends with in Arizona, guess what? It's not the last time they're going to have a referral to California or to Tennessee or to Texas or Virginia. We want to build a network. And what I have started to do is build a network of sales professionals in the real estate community that are on social because we probably align up on some other things as well. Oh, yeah. I'll let them know that I'm always here for them to answer questions about products, programs, what's happening in the local market. And again, I'm building friendships and relationships because I believe that relocation market is untapped and most people haven't figured out strategically how to tap into it. But I do know showing up online, I get more referrals that if I was originating today, I would have a steady stream of online referrals from outside my market. And so I believe that's a market that is worth exploring and figuring out how you're going to tap into. Well, before we pivot to leadership, Brian, I just want to highlight like Sean Yahara is a good example of this. You know, everyone has their own lane in social too, which is so fun because there's so many different things to do. Yeah. But you know, Sean, after trying a ton of different things from podcasting to, to videos, he realized that he, he fell in love with YouTube as a platform. And for everyone talking about digital mayor, you know, he's gone out and started to film communities, new construction communities, general established markets as what it would be like to live here. And he loves it because he's meeting, he, he's, he's discovering his, his, his ecosystem, but he's, he's meeting people and he's filming what it's like to live here from the restaurants that are down the street to the local bar owner, to the community amenities and all the stuff, whether it's new construction or established communities. And all of a sudden he's found due to this environment of people moving, Brian, that his YouTube channel is blowing up. Yeah. Like people are searching on Google and YouTube, like what's it like in Vegas? And then they're finding his video series on all these different communities I, he literally showed me a DM he got from YouTube specifically where a guy said, I've been following your channel. I'm obsessed. I'm moving to Vegas in two months and I need your help to find out one of these houses. I like these communities. Can you get my loan done? And can you introduce me to a realtor? So, you know, yes, he's the digital mayor of, of the, because he's interviewing people locally and he's meeting them locally and, and he's doing that locally, but all of a sudden living out loud and you start realizing that, oh no, there's not just a small community available to you. There's a world available to you. And it's changed his, it's changed his whole strategy. I mean, it's just fat. He hit a thousand subscribers. I mean, it's just like, I'm just like, oh my God, all, all organic, all good stuff. And I'm just like, this is, this is the game. That tactic alone, and I've been watching that too. I'm not moving to Vegas, but if I was to move to Vegas, I will tell you, he has hooked me. And I look and I'm watching those because who doesn't love to see a community and know what's out there? Yeah, I don't know what's out there. It's like it's like behind the scenes. Yeah, it's like everyone dreams of that community and you see it. So that that's such a great tactical way to take something you're passionate about and to overlap it that most of us in the mortgage space would think about just talking about, you know, down payment options. What income can you use for some home buyer program? 
How cool is that? That's pretty, that's pretty fun to tune into. Dude, it's epic. All right, so let me ask you this question as we pivot a little bit here. We talked um, tactically down to the loan officer level on some just some things to play with for 2021. Let's talk about leadership. Let's talk about leaders leading their team, recruiting managers that are out there trying to grow their team, excited for 2021. You've got this hybrid thing coming, right? Potentially like in office, out of office. We don't know. It's going to look something like something. Oh, Mitch is here. What's up, Mitch? Uh, this, this guy's a stud. Um, cool, we were just on his podcast too and killed it, right? I, I watched. Oh, he and Laura, they're yeah, awesome. Dude. Well, Laura's a little better, but Mitch, you're okay, bro. You get a little bit. Like, He's okay. <laughs> so, so let's talk about leadership. Someone wanting to lead in 2021. What do they need to be adapting into? What have, what should they have learned or be you know pivoting into after after COVID? You know what what do we what do you what do you got? Man, we could talk about this for a while. I will tip my experience, and I, I can share from that vantage point because I've done enough right and enough wrong to give you like both. I think leaders today need to be thinking about leaders leading other leaders. And this is a topic I've really been honing in on. And, and I don't mean by title. So let's just set titles aside for a minute. There are leaders on your team today that don't have a manager or leadership title. Leaders leading other leaders means we empower them. And that local market, to your point, Alec, you're going to have people that are in the office. You're going to have people that are remote. I think what the new kind of modern workforce looks like is people that want to be empowered and have that entrepreneurial vibe but they also want to be coached and coached is very different than managed manages. I'm going to tell you <laughs> what to do, how to do it, when to do it, all the things that takes away the creativity that I think has been lacking in our industry and what the best of the best bring. And so if we start to inhibit and take away your creativity and that entrepreneurial spirit, you're not going to get the best out of your team. And so what I've learned is this one, I don't know everything. And so by collaborating with our team, we very often will have leaders on our team share or talk about whether it's recruiting, whether it's about working with home builders, whether it's about renovation, all those topics, someone on your team or in your sphere is probably an expert in excelling at that. So why not collaborate yeah. and make sure that we're sharing those ideas? I think the best leaders, Alec, are going to be able to be so clear in how they describe their culture that without working there, you would know what it's like to work there. Mm -hmm. I've personally experienced this. We added five branch leaders in our region I have not physically met. Okay. Pause for a second. Think of it. If you'd asked me or told me this five years ago, three years ago, I'd have been like, Alec, you are on crack. You are smoking something. I don't know. I only meet people face to face. I only hire people in person. That's right. Well, guess what? The world changed. It did. It did. And you know what? They have joined the team and I don't have any lack of connectivity because I see their pets and their kids and their family on, on the video. So we feel like we're there together. Socials allowed us to do that. I can't wait till the day we're together. But that part of leadership, and again, I go back to being uncomfortable, but being very comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. There's a difference there. And I have learned this going through my surgery is sometimes you got to shake things up as a leader and you've got to be okay doing things different and take on risk. And that leader is very much going to lead from the front like we're doing, I think, in social, and we're just trying things. We don't have it all figured out. We don't claim, no. we're not gurus, but I'm also, you know what I've learned? I am not afraid to get out there and try stuff. I am not afraid to get out there and put myself out there. And you know what? Yeah, people make fun of me, ridicule this, ridicule that. But at the end of the day, is your vision and your dream large enough that you wake up every day? Like I wake up every day fired up and ready to get in a game like when I did in soccer. And that's yeah. what I think the leaders are going to be able to demonstrate that passion, whether in person, or through video, and they're going to create a culture that thrives off of that because 
Not every day is going to work in your favor. Not every day is going to work perfectly and you're going to show up and feel like it. But I look for that team to be surrounded by other competitive spirits and people. Mm -hmm. They're all going to rise up and make us better. That's what the next generation leadership is going to look different. Yeah. Yeah. I want to echo something here and I'm going to, I'm going to try to share something. I, I talked about this on a, on a converse, on a, on a live time, but it's something that's really just stuck with me. Um, and this is going to mess up the branding, but we'll put it there for a second. So everyone knows this is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so we we learned this in like high school, right? Like you got Maslow's hierarchy of needs and this was like what you learned. Um, and one of the things that I love that it's so true that, that leaders where leaders can just really excel is understanding that you have to start at the bottom with your team. Do they have loans? Like, do they have loans? Is their pipeline full? Do they have loans? Nothing to me, you know, leaders want to start at the top yeah. and they want to be like, let me help you become who you are supposed to be as a human and like really dig into this coaching, self-actualization, vision boarding. And like, sometimes you gotta be like down at the dirt being like, you don't have any loans. Let's make calls together. Let's do a video together. Let me look at your CRM. How can we make this better together? I'm going to help you on this. Let me get my guy over here in tech to kind of organize this. You know, you really got to get down into the dirt with people and you got to work your way up. So then, then it talks about safety needs, right? And so for me, Brian, that was like, can you, does your team feel empowered to take risks? Yeah. Are, are you providing an environment where your team is willing to, excited to take risks? And then the next one is how much, you just said it on culture, like how are you building community digitally and physically? Because I can tell you, as you know, digitally, you got to be triple the effort to build love, sense of love and belonging, connection, teamwork digitally than ever before. Yeah. And the last part is, do you respect the person? Can you look at them and do they feel respected by their leader? Because once you hit those things, they got loans because you're, you're in the dirt with them. They feel like they can take risks. They're not going to be ridiculed. They're not going to be fired. They're going to support them. They feel like they're connected to their teammates. They're getting support. They feel like you look them in the eye that you care about them and you respect them. Now we can have the real meaty conversation of how do we make you better? And so, you know, for me as a, a looking at leading and succeeding in 2021, it's like we got to, so many leaders in mortgage have just forgotten this because of time. Mm -hmm. They just, they just kind of cruised, you know, and they, they just didn't realize that like they're starting up at self-actualization and they need to start down here at physiological needs. They need to get into the dirt with their people, you know, and that's why some of the best people that I've been inspired by are the people that are in the dirt who are like trying to help people them like physically giving people loans themselves being like, Hey, let's call some of my book and let's find some like, like this is the, this is the kind of leadership that I'm impressed by Yeah, are the people that do that stuff in, in, and I think that it's going to become even more obvious in this COVID kind of world or post COVID world where the real leaders are going to be focused on these things with intense intentionality and that's going to drive their success. So I would wrap that up because I love when you're going through that and you'd shared this before. And what I thought about is if, if you were to wrap EQ around all of that, as a leader, we need to be aware of that conversation we're in and where our teammate is because they might be in the basic level where you're like, I need to get them alone today. How do I help them make a call, get an application and have confidence again, right? Because that's like- Or just help them film a video. Like maybe that's their thing. Like I'm just, they want to get in social and they're fear, they're freaked out. Make it, yep. You got to be able to move up and down that ladder. And the psychology will tell you the best leaders can move up and down that ladder with multiple people because you're going to leave one conversation, go into another conversation. You might be in that conversation. You and I might be talking. You might be coaching me through that basic. And then we might actually go through a few levels during the conversation. And so I think the awareness of that, and that is again back to it's why we're always learning and growing. We haven't figured it out. The more conversations you have, 
the better you are. And I saw a piece the other day and it talked about our job as leaders is not to solve every problem and tell people how to do things. Nope. It truly in many ways is to listen, to actually hear their ideas and encourage them. Yeah. You know what? I think this one, based on what you've shared, this one is the one, let's go do this. Yep. And it's a we thing. And I, you, yeah. you nailed that. So I, I love this. This is going to change how we do things. Cause to your point, you can't be so far away from understanding how to actually take care of a customer and put in a loan and go for the hunt today oh. and always be like, vision boards, go be your best. Yeah. It's like, well, bro, I'm, I'm struggling putting out content. Can you just help me there for a little bit? Like, I don't need you to tell me to, you know, get more loans. I, I'm trying. I want to get more loans. I don't need you to tell me to go get more loans. <laughs> so Brian, um, as we wrap down here, bro, thanks for the, first of all, for just bringing this up and wanting to do this. I love it. It's my favorite thing ever. Um, what advice do you have for leaders and loan officers as, you know, honestly, we're over a third of the, I mean, over a quarter of the year is done, which is scary. Yeah. So, you know, 2021 is just rushing by. What, what advice do you have for the people out there, leaders and loan officers? What would you want to share? Cool. So here's what I'm looking at. And I'll just share some things that I've been learning that might help you with where you are on your journey is 2020 gave us a chance to experience tremendous success in our industry, probably made us feel like we were doing a lot of business and it maybe taught us some habits that we needed to learn, but it also kind of highlighted some areas we weren't efficient. Mm -hmm. I would make sure before this gets too far away from you, I've done some self-reflection and look back at what went well, what didn't go well. And I think now's the time because to your point, we're almost a third of the way through, the market has changed enough to where you can reflect and realize what do you do well what are the areas you need to improve on? Because for me, that's always in a constant, right? That we continue yep. to learn and grow. Yep. The thing I sat down the other day is I wrote down a very scary, like, I mean, scary. I've only told a couple people the goal five years from now, where I want to be. I told, I told Anthony and he texted me back. He goes, whoa. So I knew it was big enough to where it scared me. It probably kind of scared, you know, that's uh, good, dude. CEO. And I thought, you need something that scares you enough to where you can build it. But here's why I built it so big. And this is for the leaders. I built it because I've been listening to our team and I know where everybody on our region nine team as a leadership team wants to go. And the only way they get there is the Brian in 2021 over the next few years has to continually get better and evolve because in 2025, 2026, if we're going to hit that goal, I need to learn new skills. I need to get better at this. I need to ensure we're bringing the team together with us. And so remember that it's a team sport. And I go back to my soccer days. There's 11 players in the field for a reason. Everybody has a role. Everybody contributes differently. Play your role and play it to the best of your ability. But remember that we're all getting better every day. I think how we show up really does matter. And the one thing that I continually am amazed and, and, and fascinated by is the more conversations I have and the more I put myself out there, the more I learn which then in turn is the more I'm able to give for my team. If your cup is empty, you have nothing to give. You have nothing to give to the team and you're not going to help them. So be okay checking your ego at the door and yep. allowing your team to push you and be okay with that tension that I think is going to be created in 2021. There will be tension at most companies because the world has changed, the market has changed, all of that. And those that learn to adapt and find the opportunity and can execute are going to win. And I think out they're going to win bigger than we've ever seen. I think there's going to be market share growth in some pockets that we haven't seen. And there's going to be dominant leaders created out of this. Dude, I couldn't have said it better. And I encourage everybody who's listening, if you have a big goal, in my opinion, goals aren't goals until they're public. 
because public goals are scary goals. Because that's what that's when you tell the world what you really want to do. And that's when you put it on the line that you might fail because now other people would know that you might fail and you can't just keep it inside and be like, well, no big deal, you know. So congrats on putting your goals out there. Um, my friends, I, I would leave everybody with one thing after this whole fun conversation, which is change is inevitable. That's no no one argues. You heard that and you're like, I heard it a thousand times. But we just came through a massive year of change. And we're going into a massive year of change. It's not going back. We're not going back. We're going into new. And a new is going to be this hybrid, digital, local. We're all going to figure it out together. And in that process of that, I would just say that try hard and have grace on yourself. Like put it all out there, but then realize at the end of the day that it, it have grace. Have grace on yourself because sometimes we're so hard on ourselves as originators and leaders that we are just, we, we get frozen and we don't execute and we don't perform and we don't try our hardest. We don't put the big goal out that Brian texted our CEO and scared him. And, and because we don't do that and we don't take risk, um, we lose out on the life that is provided in that space. Um, but you have to carry that with this grain of grace for yourself that realizes it's okay. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to do a video that sucks. Because at the end of the day, you always get better. So that's all I got. Kenneth. Appreciate you too, dude. Fun to hang out with us. Thank you guys for being here for 45 minutes. Anything else, Brian? Thank you for what you're doing. And and I just want to like publicly say thank you because you're inspiring not only me, but I love that there is this culture being created that across different organizations in our industry, across the real estate industry as well, that we're starting to see leaders rise up. So thank you for your part in that because you've inspired a lot of people. You inspire me and it makes us all better. So surround yourself with awesome people that you want to be around that inspire you. That that is the game. So thank you for what you're doing, dude. This was this is always fun. This is like highlight of my day, my month, and uh, I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> all right, everybody, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us today. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you guys all on the internet.